My guests today are Jenna Steber, Ben Kachera, and Chris Grant. My name is Charlie Hall, and you're listening to Polygons Quality Control. Y'all, I've invited you here today to talk about this little game called Fortnite. How are you doing, Ben? I'm feeling great. I'm excited. I'm psyched. There's a lot of ground to cover on this particular game. <laughs> Jenna, you're also here, our new video producer. How are you doing, Jenna? I'm good. How are you? How are you doing? Not doing too bad. This is your first time here on Quality Control, is it not? Yes, it is. I'm very excited to be here and to be talking about Fortnite. Yes. And we're also joined by Mr. Christopher Grant, our, our fearless editor-in-chief. How are you doing, sir? I have some fears. We can get into those later. Uh, I'm doing well. <laughs> now, I, I brought you here in particular to kind of talk about, you know, where this game kind of comes from. Fortnite, obviously, is from Epic Games. And I had the privilege to go out to Judges Week last year prior to E3 and actually see this thing, play the game hands-on for, you know, a few days before it even came out to the public for a review at Polygon. Uh, and at the time, it was actually called Fortnite. And then there was the game mode that it launched with called Save the World. And Chris, I'm not going to lie to you, the game was not great. Um, it was launched into early access, and it was a very grindy, very monotonous, and I'll say physically painful game that I had to review for Polygon.com. <laughs> My hand hurt from clicking the mouse so much. And so frequently while I reviewed this game, it was it, it hurt to play this thing. People say our job isn't hard. And <laughs> I just want everyone to see the, the kind of sacrifices that the team has to uh, has to do for you all. But the, the game itself had been in development for something like five, six, maybe seven years before it launched in early access as a thirty nine ninety nine product. And they put this early game, early access game in a box in big box stores. It was on the shelf at Walmart as an early access, unfinished title. Chris, I can't remember any other game that attempted something like quite that audacious. So Fortnite's got like a weird, a weird development history, right? They announced it in 2011 to put that number in context. Um, they later said something like when they announced it, they had basically just come up with the idea that they were just like ready to announce a game. It was announced by Cliff Blazinski. Cliff Blazinski not only is no longer at Epic, he left, took some time off, then made his own game studio, then made its own game, launched that game. That game has failed. And then his studio closed down uh, just a week ago or so. And that's the timetable we're talking about here, that Fortnite <laughs> has been around. And it's it's a wild timetable, but that timetable also encompasses a fundamental shift in the games industry. When they announced it, they understood and even talked about making a game that wasn't a Dubro game. It was supposed to be more colorful. They wanted to make a game that appealed to streamers, that was something that would have a different kind of life on YouTube. This was like before Twitch was a big deal. And they talked about that as a goal of making the game. When Cliff left to make his own studio, that's the kind of game he wanted to make. While he was developing that game, his game was called... Um, Lawbreakers, this you know little game called PUBG showed up, Battle Royale, and kind of changed the competitive landscape for shooters on PC. And meanwhile, in that same time space, Epic 
have been working on Fortnite for all this time, and they launched, to your point, a let's say an unfinished game that failed to capture the zeitgeist. It sort of landed with a with a thud. So meanwhile, PUBG's here changing kind of everything and the way we talk about games, the way we watch them, I think is more interesting. Lawbreakers debuts from Cliff Lazinski and doesn't doesn't uh, change the world either. Doesn't save the world. What Epic did that's really kind of incredible is that in a relatively short window, they built a whole other game mode onto Fortnite called Fortnite Battle Royale, which debuted last fall. And since then, they've been iterating on that game mode at a breakneck pace. This is not a game that is in a box store because they are updating it regularly. This is a game that I think only a company like Epic could have made. Uh, and it sort of speaks almost directly to their skill set. But they went from, you know, this sort of very long in development thing where they launched and it still wasn't finished to a very polished, very popular, very stable uh, game and arguably the biggest game in the world right now. But it's also a free-to-play game, Chris. You can download this right now on your Xbox, on your PlayStation 4, on your PC, on your phone, and you're having the same experience as everyone else is, and you're playing cross-platform with everyone else as well. It's it's an incredible technical achievement. So Epic is known, obviously, for series like Unreal, uh, has its 20th anniversary right now, um, Unreal Tournament, Gears of War. But the other thing that Epic does is they make Unreal Engine, uh, which is, uh, and for a long time, was the most popular third-party game engine uh, available. Now there's Unity and a bunch of other ones that are competitive. But Epic's skill set in getting games to run across multiple platforms, getting that development to kind of work across uh, multiple platforms, including phones, and building those tool sets for designers to use, that's part of how that company makes its bread and butter. So the idea that they've used their own tool set, uh, notably PUBG, is also built using Unreal. Uh, the fact that they've used their own tool set to make a game that is in itself, in a way, a tool set. So they they took the the guts of Fortnite and made Fortnite Battle Royale. Again, it kind of seems like a very epic thing to do. The fact that they were able to kind of just launch it on the phone. PUBG launched on phones, you know, in a very impressive mobile port, but it was a port by a different company. Epic did it themselves because they make phone games. They make Infinity Blade, right, which was a kind of a real game changer. When Infinity Blade came out, we all thought, wow, a phone can do that. They're doing it cross-platform because despite having a history of making console games and having partnerships with companies like Xbox, like they're big and they're independent and they want their games to be everywhere. So yeah, it seems like, a again, a particularly epic thing to, I mean that in the, <laughs> the game sense. Uh, <laughs> in both senses, yes. That it would almost be impossible to think of anyone else that would be well-equipped enough financially, technologically to produce something like this. Yeah, it, it really, it took all of us here at Polygon, I, I'll, I'll be completely honest, kind of by surprise how quickly. I mean, all, all of us, Charlie? Mm. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. uh, Chris, Chris Grant, the editor-in-chief of Polygon.com, <laughs> uh, completely and entirely foretold the success of Fortnite Battle Royale and was screaming at his staff for weeks to cover this game in more detail. Let the record show. Um, and, and, you know, we all we all kind of quietly and privately, we kind of scoffed. We're like, no, I mean, this, this free-to-play thing. It's like, and, and meanwhile, it built up this incredible momentum until, you know, I'm starting to hear it from you grouchy parents at the Homeowners Association meetings, <laughs> right? It's it's insane. It's it's gotten so far that, I think it was the New Yorker that that called it like, 
<laughs> a plague of sorts that the children were stuck. Uh, it was either the New Yorker or the New York Times that that called it out for for its detriment to society. Very strange, but you know how to tell you've made it as a video game, guys. Uh, is when <laughs> folks are angry at you. So I don't, I you know, I, I'm a big fan of PUBG. I was always a big fan of PUBG. To a, to a much lesser extent was I a fan of Fortnite's Save the World mode. But the reason that, that Ben, you and Jenna are here on the line is because you guys, probably more than anybody else on staff, are playing Fortnite day to day and week to week. Absolutely. Yeah. So what is that experience like and what what really attracted you guys to the the Fortnite gameplay? Well, I can say for for me, it just the visuals, the visual appeal of Fortnite is really strong. It 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 reminds me a lot of Sunset Overdrive, which is a game I played roughly 20 minutes of years and years and years ago, but which I still remember because it has such a different look and feel. Uh, very cartoonish, but very bright and very engaging that you just don't see a lot in video games. Because we have a lot of video games that are very sort of brown and patchy and sort of desolate. And that's fine. I like that a lot. I love PUBG. But it it is run down. And it's nice to play a game that's not, that's just sort of lush and green and has beautiful landscapes. And even when I'm getting slaughtered in Fortnite, which is all the time, because I'm not very good at it, even though I like to play it. it. It's still really engaging to just see it and to see like bricks and forts pop out of everywhere. And, and it, it just has a very juicy texture that I really engage with. That's a really good word to use. Back, If, if you go back and look at the, the original concept art and some of the early screenshots from like 2011, 2012, even like 2014, 15, it looks just as bright, but but I guess less juicy, less playful, less childlike in a way. When it was pitched to me last year uh, at Judges Week, they were saying, uh, we want this to be a mix of The Walking Dead and Pixar. And I remember <laughs> Austin Walker and I just kind of looked at each other like, uh-huh. But it, <laughs> but it is, it is, it's, it's capturing people's attention. Yeah, I mean, it just, it, if you line it up with all of the other bestsellers of the past year, like if you, if you side-by-side it with like God of War, a, another very beautiful game with like really interesting landscaping and, and really great character design, I, I'm going to be drawn to Fortnite every time because it just looks like nothing else on the market that's meant for a broad audience. Like you get a lot of kids games that have a very similar style, but, and maybe you would argue Fortnite is a kid's game, but I think it has such a broader appeal. Fortnite's design is also such a response to Epic's history with Gears of War, a game that sort of like embodied <laughs> this sort of like earth tone color palettes and dude bro characters. Um, and a lot of people during the last generation of consoles, which was a lot of the biggest games were largely powered by Unreal Engine. And people oftentimes accuse the engine itself of encouraging a certain art style. And this seems to me to be Epic saying like, no, we can make a game that looks completely different and completely bright and colorful. Uh, and to the point like PUBG is brown and gritty and it uses Unreal. Um, it seems like an interesting response from Epic itself. Yeah, especially considering the issues Polygon has had with the reshade mod that we had for a while to make the the awful squad PUBG videos look a little bit more vibrant that we can't use anymore because of cheating issues so it's like I mean I'm somebody who when I'm playing these games like when I install Fallout 4 I'm gonna install some mods to make it look just prettier because I just want I just want to play games in a world that looks nice now the, what's unique about Fortnite though is when you 
when you jump into each match, you're not just trying to hunt down the other players. There's this there's this meta game that's going on. There's there's dance floors out there <laughs> in the world. Tell me about some of the other things that you can do in this game besides just kill your fellow man, Ben. It's super interesting because there is this whole like culture within the game, right? And there's something there's something that Fortnite is doing that's making people who play the game extremely friendly and I adore that. I feel like when I have open voice chat, you know, open, which I never do in most games, and I'm squatting up. It's like people are talking to each other and having a good game and helping each other. And so if you if you at the beginning of the seasons, because the game is organized into seasons and time, if you buy the battle pass, which is nine hundred and fifty V bucks, I'm not sure what that is in dollars. Um you get all of these other challenges and ways to level up to get more items and aesthetics for your character and everything. So on top of just trying to play the game well and survive and be the last person standing, you might be searching for 10 hidden rubber duckies. You might be trying to, (laughs) you know, kill five people with suppressed pistols, or there's a treasure map where if you go, you find treasure and there's like hidden objectives we're finding in there that are, not announcing you have to do a certain amount of things to get a visual clue and then you go there and none of it is like it's hinted at very subtly and i and i love the fact that everyone who plays fortnite seriously and on an ongoing basis is like turned into a conspiracy theorist by the game because the game (laughs) is filled with conspiracies like you're not being irrational all this stuff ends up paying off in some way so as people are shooting each other in the head with shotguns, there's also always kind of a mystery going on in the background about what does this do? What's hidden here? It's it's super great and it's constantly evolving and it's such a good way to keep the game sticky and keep people playing. But there is no other game that I would turn on today and out of the gate want to have open chat on. I don't want to have anything to do with the other people that play video games normally, unless they are my close personal friends or coworkers. What makes this community different, guys? I I can't figure it out. I think part of it is just that... I don't think this is anything Epic Games did. When you have a when you have a game this big, it's very tempting to go back and assume that everything good about it was handcrafted to get that response. Where in reality, often hits or things companies stumble upon, they see what people react to and then they lean into it. But there's something about this art style. There's something about this game mode. There's something about the huge cross section of ages and people around the world who play it, and those people want other people to play it, so they want them to have a good time. I've been in games where it sounded like an older gentleman apologized at the beginning of the round for not knowing the game very well. And then someone else who sounded like, you know, a 14-year-old girl was explaining the controls to him and like basic tactics. And I'm over here just dying from happiness at this interaction because it's it's so freaking wholesome. And it's something you so rarely see in games. And I love it. And now that I love it, I want to like, when I'm playing, protect it and be a part of that positivity. And it's like peer pressure to be a good person. And like, what other, there are horrible people who play the game, but overall my experience is this is a really good community. I think you touched on something about the art style that I don't think is necessarily the cause, but the art style is just goofy enough that 
if you want to take it really seriously, it seems like you're missing the point. Like if you tried to imagine like Frozen, but gritty, it's like, no, <laughs> that <laughs> it just let it go. Okay, Chris Grant actually sold me on that. But it just doesn't it just doesn't meld well. So if you if you want to be really serious about Fortnite, you can, but being serious and projecting that onto the game itself, I think there's such a weird clash there. I think something else that you mentioned, Ben, that Epic didn't as nice as it would be to, to say that they predicted all this and that they designed all of it. Like it's it's very obvious they didn't they didn't make the game <laughs> they made the game in reaction to another game they're built they're using a tool set to do it. it um it's opportunistic right like they're seeing opportunity and what's impressive and that's not a dismissal what's impressive about it is that they're able to do it that like they seem to be moving at a clip that's like just like unparalleled in terms of AAA development and the idea that they would also have like built in something that Riot Games has spent a decade working on player behavior and toxicity and Epic just like stumbled into it. And it's a bit of a mystery. Like how on earth did they do it? It's the most popular game uh, in the world right now. And, and they're moving that fast on a game mode that they didn't start with in mind and it's working. And I think that like, I get the impression from talking to people I know at Epic that they're just as surprised by it as everyone else is like, this wasn't their plan to make this cultural touchstone. Um, I, they're all very happy they did. I, I think Battle Royale games for a long time were almost known for being janky and unfinished and glitchy. And for a lot of people, that was part of the charm. And not only is Fortnite able to do all this well, and with all of that you know, institutional knowledge that Epic Games has, where they can be constantly on a weekly basis dumping new games into this game, it it doesn't feel like a janky game. It doesn't feel unfinished like all these other Battle Royale games do. It feels like a solid, stable product most of the time. And I don't know how they do it with their production schedule w without it being just a glitchy, terrible mess. One thing that Fortnite has been doing as they've been iterating on the Battle Royale mode is they're now doing... They're doing kind of licensed events. What was this thing that they did with the Avengers, Chris? Speaking to Epic's unique ability to sort of like develop quickly, they announced that they were going to have a limited time event with Thanos from the Avengers in a new game mode. So again, not just a new character with his own suite of animations, but a new game mode. They launched it for free. It was live for just a couple weeks. Yeah, barely. And then it was gone. And it didn't cost players anything it was well balanced and even the same day the day came out they were rebalancing it it wasn't janky and it was just this kind of thing that like seems impossible that it didn't get hyped up six months ahead of time they didn't show it off at e3 they just announced it almost casually to use uh, ben's term previously like they just sort of oh yeah by the way that huge movie that's breaking box office records uh we've got the character and the glove in the game and you can play it if you want for free but it won't be around forever, but not a big deal. And it definitely is also, by the way, polished. Like, it, it is unusual, uh, to say the least. And again, speaks really well to their ability to use this playground that they've built, this, this framework, to add things into it. And it, it makes it seem almost impossible for anyone else to catch up at this level. 
Ben and Jenna, how did that game mode work specifically? So there was there was the Infinity Gauntlet on the map. When you had the Infinity Gauntlet, you became Thanos with all of these different powers and you could, you know, fly through the air. And when you killed someone with your crazy laser beams and everything, you got more shield back, but your health, once the shield is depleted, was persistent. You can't get health back. So as someone becomes Thanos on the map and begins moving around in this really kinetic way, he can make these giant leaps. You can, it changes the entire flow of the game. You can decide to hunt Thanos with other players and try to take him down. You can decide to do what I do and just pick off other people as they're trying to kill Thanos because they're not paying attention to the other players. Every, it's like there is a, a, a gentle person's agreement not to kill each other while you're focused on Thanos. And I never signed that document. So I was just racking up kills by walking you know, up to people with a shotgun and taking them out. And it was relatively balanced and it was super fun. And even if it wasn't balanced, if it was just goofy, it was only there for a limited amount of time. Like you can't break Fortnite with this stuff. And I think Epic Games knows it. And that's why they're so into the idea of trying these new things and getting them up quickly. I mean, we had a 24-hour warning on Thanos. They tweeted one thing, the internet went crazy, and then the next morning you could play it. It was awesome. To, to speak to the conspiracy theories that you mentioned earlier, it, it, there are things leading up to the, of that event that pointed to something superhero-themed and the fact that it was timed with Infinity Wars. Like, people had suspicions that they were going to try to capitalize on Infinity War. Nobody knew that it was going to be a literal tie-in. A- and now that we know that they can do this, I, I, I lurk around in the Reddit uh, a lot because I like the memes that the kids post these days, but there's a lot of theories about how the next big thing might be something that ties in with Jurassic War. No, Jurassic War is not what it's called. Because there's things on the map that, like, there's a giant dinosaur footprint, and, and there's theories that maybe maybe there's going to be a Jurassic World tie-in, which would be very cool. Like, whatever it is, I'm into it. My God, what's to stop Epic from just putting the dinosaur footprint in there and then taking the Reddit thread to the advertiser at Universal Studios or whatever and saying, hey, look, people are kind of interested in your thing in our game. Want a piece of this? Well, and I, I guarantee you the PR person over at the studio knows about Fortnite. Like, I, it's usually games go after make yeah who's paying who <laughs> it's it's such an inversion usually games go after celebrities and they pay for endorsements and everything to get into the mainstream and fortnite has gotten to the point where c- celebrities are coming to the game to get exposure not the other way around you know like these huge stars who are playing fortnite they're getting value out of it instead of giving value to it and it, it feels really natural and not forced when they released the blog post about, you know, the, the Thanos mode, they almost made it sound like they had a handshake agreement with Disney to do this deal. It was so breezy and light. And usually with crossovers this big, there's like a six month promotional period and all of these contractual things and all of these limitations. And, you know, Epic just made it sound like, yeah, they like what we're doing. We're super into their movie. We put this together with them. It's awesome. Enjoy it for two weeks on us later. Yeah, what, what was the brand clearance looking like to make sure that um, they were cool with Thanos dabbing? And I mean, for Jurassic World, like, 
T-Rex stabbing? Oh, be still my heart. Oh, my God. Clipping issues. I predict clipping issues with that. But, like, dinosaurs, Jurassic World doesn't own dinosaurs. So if uh, if Fortnite makes a bunch of dinosaur models and includes it and launches it at the same time as Jurassic World, like, if they don't get that handshake agreement, they can still do that. With Thanos, I think it's a little bit... Yeah, it's a little bit fudgier, but maybe they just painted painted Thanos blue and, and called him Dados and then <laughs> released it instead. We're going to talk more about Fortnite, of course, here on Quality Control. But first, a quick message from this week's sponsor. Dearest listeners of Quality Control, Vox just launched a new show on Netflix. It's called Explained, and you can find it on Netflix right now. It's for people like you, people who are curious about the world around them. And here's our promise. If you give us 15 minutes of your time, or sometimes 20, sometimes we can stick to the 15-minute limit. So 15 to 20 minutes of your time will take you from being just curious about a big, important topic to actually understanding it. Our first few episodes explore things like... Why is monogamy so important around the world? What happens when we can actually edit our DNA and take control of our own evolution? Why is the racial wealth gap in America still growing? You'll see it's Vox to its core. It's a bigger and more ambitious yes, but still looking and feeling and sounding like us. And we'll hopefully give you the context and reporting and research that actually makes these super, super satisfying. I think the most satisfying videos we've ever made. So go to Netflix and check it out. You can search for it. You can search for Vox or you can just go to Netflix.com slash explained. The other thing, though, that Epic Games is doing is they are doubling down on the competitive side of this game. We've talked so much about the casual aspects almost of, of, you know, certainly dedicated lengthy play sessions, but, you know, nobody's really worrying about their KD ratio. But now here comes Epic and and they're investing, what, $100 million in competitive Fortnite play? What is this all about? I think one of the things that's really important when you understand or talk about like competitive play in Battle Royale, one of the hardest things about esports is for non-hardcore players to watch it and consume it. You have a really hard time watching a Street Fighter match, and you can understand who wins and loses. But understanding the minutia of play is very complicated. And if you're fluent in all the mechanics of a game, you can understand it. Same with League of Legends or Dota or even you know Counter-Strike, which has decades of competitive play in it that you need to sort of like understand to watch. You don't have the, the simplicity of watching a sports match where a, you know, a slam dunk is like, you as a human understand how other human bodies work and can understand the accomplishment. So with battle Royale games, part of the thing that's really unique, and this includes PUBG and others is that they're really easy to watch. There's an inherent drama in the nature of one V 100 or one V 99, I guess, and that you can understand what they're doing. The decisions they're making are very logical in a human kind of way. They're hiding in a house. They're taking that weapon. They're getting in a car. They're going towards or away from the circle, whatever it might be. And that somebody winning that victory and then resetting, it it sort of has the same implicit watchability every time. So even bad players, even boring players, it's fun to watch uh, a battle royale game. And, And certainly great players and entertaining players, it's a lot of fun to watch. So I think from a competitive standpoint, it's not just about getting great competitive play and hardcore play, to your point, Charlie, out there. But it's also about building a big enough audience to consume that kind of play 
and that they have this huge audience that plays the game. And I think that just due to the nature of Battle Royale, that they have a really good chance of converting a lot of those players into viewers. And that's not the same with a lot of competitive games, right? Not every Overwatch player watches Overwatch League. Um, not every League player watches competitive League. But I think, you know, and certainly not every um, Fortnite Battle Royale player will watch competitive Fortnite Battle Royale, but I think they have a really good chance of making a lot of them or convincing a lot of them to watch it. And, and they're putting their money behind it to the tune of 100 million clams. Well, now you're talking about players into viewers, though. H1Z1, another Battle Royale game, very famously made the bet to try and turn viewers into players. They put their game now on the Las Vegas Strip. They previously had a primetime special on, on the CW Network, right? Where people watched them play this Battle Royale game for an hour of network television in primetime. And you're, you're telling me, though, that, that Epic's kind of going about it in a different direction? I think, I mean, uh, good business if you've got it. They happen to have a mountain of players, which H1Z1 doesn't have. H1Z1 changed its pricing to go free-to-play to encourage more people to pick up the game. And I think the fact that Epic was able to make that decision financially, thanks in part to the largesse of Tencent and, um, and uh, Unreal Engine licensing, they were able to give the game away. And now they're making a brisk business off of cosmetics and, and battle passes. But I think if you have a huge player base like that, that's a you know in league is very similar right league has this enormous player base and so league has a very popular esports scene but it's not the size of its player base and so it, it becomes an interesting question about conversion at what point do you like playing a game and what point do you like watching people play a game and what do you like about watching them play it? and what is it about the competitive scene or the competitive athletes or the teams or the inherent drama that you follow and this kind of gets into like a larger meta question of like, what are sports? But I think Epic is well-suited, well-positioned to find a large audience, including casual players who want to consume hardcore play. And, and yeah, and certainly that, that investment seems to suggest that they think they're going to be able to do it. I think there's a lot to be said for Fortnite's mechanics, just in, in terms of it, watching competitive play, because the, I think the mechanics of most battle royale and Fortnite included are pretty straightforward: shoot and kill and don't die. That <laughs> is really out there. Uh, Fortnite has the added mechanic of building that I think is very simple to understand. You build something and it shields you, or you can get up to places. But is so open to creative use that watching very high level Fortnite players is fascinating just because of the weird structures they're building and how they're they're moving around the structures and how they're moving around each other so i don't think you have to like if i'm sitting down and over watching overwatch league and i don't know the characters or their special skill sets it can be a little obscure but i don't think fortnite is going to have that issue because it's just it's right there you're literally higher up or you're behind a thing like it's easy to read it's easy to parse it's not easy to do. It's humbling somebody like build a house in one second. And like, I think that's exactly right. Like that there's enough things that make it fun to watch, even if you can't do it. Like you can still read it. You can still parse what you're saying. Yeah. And there's something about that amount of money. It's, a, it's such a Fortnite thing to do because it's so outsized and so ridiculous and done almost casually where people would have written about it and it would have gotten people redoubling their efforts to train on Fortnite, where it's a $20 million. That's a lot of money. But like, there's something about that number, $100 million. 
that is just, it's a ridiculous amount of money. And I think in a lot of cases, people will tune in just to watch the money. And it's a game that when people spectate it, it's usually their, their streamer against 99 random people, right? Like that's, it's not normally a competitive game against the giants in the scene. Once the tournaments start kicking in, it's going to be ridiculously cool to see this huge streamer with a huge audience go up against this other huge streamer with a huge audience to see who really is better in practice against each other. It's that's what I'm really looking forward to. I want to read a quote from Epic here when they announced this hundred million. I think it's really telling. They said, our approach will be different. We plan to be more inclusive and focus on the joy of playing and watching the game. So even as you talk about something like hardcore games and hardcore play, like I think they're still trying to keep their focus on like this giant community that they have that is very inclusive. That's really fun. Um, it's fun to watch as well as play. Um, and so I think that like, even just saying that, I'm very curious to see how that manifests itself, what the play looks like. A lot of that comes down to, and I think Overwatch League is doing a pretty good job of this, but um, who the casters they have are, how they talk about the game and the scene and themselves, like what they look like, how inclusive is the actual people they're going to put on television. Let's assume this is going to be on television. Some cable channel is going to pick it up. Um, but uh, I, I think it's I'm anticipating them to do something that is not going to look the same as what we think of when we think of competitive um, gaming or esports today. I'm also curious to see how this is going to be going to affect the community because something does happen to games and communities when you start involving high level competition and especially monetary rewards for high level competition. It, it can turn otherwise chill players into uh, kind of negative competitive spirits. So I'm curious to see how, how, what that does to the community and to this positive community energy that they've developed, if it's going to poison the well, or if just everybody will just adjust in a a cool, okay fashion. It is going to change the tenor of things. Cause like when streamers are working on their audience, it's about being entertaining and having a high level of play and developing your skills and, it's very outward focused. And now in a, on building your own personal community within this larger Fortnite community. And now we're in a situation where there could be a $20 million purse for one of these events. And we're going to see people really double and triple down on building pure skills and maybe leaning into that a little bit more. And I think that's going to be a, a really interesting shift in how people play the game. And like you said, how they approach it. What's the level of competitive spirit? These are huge amounts of money we're talking about. Well, team, I want to thank you guys for taking the time out of your busy day to to come talk with me here on Quality Control. We're going to be covering Fortnite for the the months and years to come, I imagine. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see your words and thoughts on Polygon and, and on Polygon's YouTube channel, Jenna. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having us. Until we've got another game to talk about, this is Charlie Hall for Jenna, Ben, and Chris. Thank you for listening to Polygon's Quality Control. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.